My name is Ty Wilson. I've been a musician for the better part of 20 years. Over that time, I have written, covered, and performed in almost every genre, from heavy metal to alt-rock to country music. I've met some amazing people along the way, and today, we're going to talk to one of them. This is Ty Wilson Talks. Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday morning. This is episode number 18 of the Ty Wilson Talks podcast. I have one quick announcement today. Um, Saturday, I will be at Arthur's Pub in Coburg from 8 to 10 p.m., so I hope to see you there. Uh, Now, on to the podcast. Today, I have Brett Smith Daniel on the pod. He is an English-Canadian musician, absolutely amazing guitarist, um, very bluesy um, vibes uh, a la John Mayer, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, etc. He has played with some absolutely phenomenal old classic rock legends. Uh, We talk about that in the podcast, um, and he puts out some pretty amazing music. So make sure you check this one out. I hope you enjoy it. All you music fans definitely will. Without further ado, here is Brett Smith Daniel. All right. Hey, Brett, how's it going, dude? Yeah, good. Thanks. And yourself, Todd? Oh, good, man. Good. You have this like like this phone operator voice going i love it you're so you're so low-key so (laughs) so so, uh you're playing a ton lately um how has everything going in victoria has it been like slowly opening back up and that i know our gigs coming back yeah yeah I, i found um at least over here uh gigs Gigs didn't really go away per se. Um, it's just the fun ones did for a while. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I found myself performing behind plexiglass for, for quite a long time. Um, it's a weird, it's like that whole plexiglass thing is such an odd scenario. You don't think it's going to cut you off as much as it does, but like, I know when I was playing in front of it or behind it, it was like, I felt so disconnected from, from, yeah. uh, from everything that was was going on in front of me even though i could see them it was kind of like it was a weird disconnect yeah no it's uh it, it definitely made it uh, a very strange year uh last year start of this year um kicking behind uh i was doing a residency at the irish times i'm sure you know the, the pub yeah. and um uh that there was uh one week i came in the health inspector had come in and said hey you know we don't mind that you're having music but you need a wall of Pexy. Right. Uh, and so instead of the the mic stand mounted uh plexi it was this literal six by six foot uh wall uh in front of the stage and i had to kind of like crawl in behind it uh and set up so uh i'm, I'm kind of glad that that's all disappeared now that's <laughs> right. yeah and w- was that like full band or is that just you playing even just acoustic stuff or electric yeah. stuff yeah yeah, it was just me for a while. Um, I'm back to doing full band gigs, which is great because I, I didn't play for a band uh, for, for over a year because of COVID. Um, I, I live in a fifth floor apartment as well, so I wasn't exactly jamming with people. <laughs> right, yeah. And I was yeah. going to say, it's it. I just started playing uh, uh, with my band again too. And uh, it was unfortunate. We had ended up having a gig rebooked five times. 
that was like supposed to be booked in, you know, March of 2020, got moved four months, got moved four months, got moved four months. So after everything, it was like a year and a half. We finally got to play it back in like August. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) It's nuts, man. It was nuts. But I'm happy happy to be playing again, Um, especially with the band. Uh, You know, we we have a gig this Saturday, which I'm looking forward to. And it's just it's there's only so much at least for myself like i know i'm my bread and butter has been acoustic playing and all that but um you get or at least my like i get sick of my voice i get sick of like those same yeah. old songs you know three hour gigs and that stuff you're doing those two or three times a week as thankful as i am for them yeah exactly as <laughs> thankful as, as i am for them it's like you get to a point where it's like man i just want to play with other people like i want to do yeah you know, more fun upbeat fun stuff to kind of feed off the other musicians uh, again you know that's yeah that's i think it. that's the yeah. biggest thing for me is, is is being able to do that it just feels great <laughs> and to groove out yeah uh, especially yeah. so are you doing trio stuff or are you are you a bigger band yeah trio primarily yeah i did yeah. uh i did one uh bigger gig i did my first festival uh, back since uh since covid uh in september and we had i think it was seven people on stage and that was that was really cool um, oh wow that's awesome I, I like going uh, big band for the the big gigs nowadays. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. What festival did you play? Uh, it was <laughs> it's kind of a weird one, really. Uh, <laughs> I was the first vegan ever to headline Ribfest in a Squamalt. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, uh, because well, I've been to that Ribfest. It's huge. It's absolutely hmm. massive. But yeah, yeah, you definitely were out of your element a little bit there uh, <laughs> as a vegan yeah. for sure. It's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a funny one for sure. Um, I I do that one uh, for a couple of reasons. My my grandfather worked for CFB Esquimalt um, when uh, when my mum was a kid and uh, actually helped found the union which runs the festival. So I I kind of uh, feel like I would be uh, doing him a disservice if I. I didn't do that. He's he's no longer around, unfortunately. And um, my good friend Jason Buey, uh, obviously no longer with us either. Um, kind of spearheaded the music at that thing, so uh, it's it's now the Jason Buey stage. So it's it's a lot of fun being able to go up and do that one for sure. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. And it's it's usually a pretty fun crowd too. And oh, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, everybody's you know got a few few drinks in them, some <laughs> smoked meat, and they want to listen to some some music. So you're all set. So that goes back to, um, so you came or if, so your grandfather worked to CFB at Esquimalt. Um, give me your family history, how you came here. Cause you're, you know, from great Britain, um, and has spent, have spent a lot of time over in Canada as well. So, uh, run me through, um, that whole thing and then, um, kind of go over like what got you into music, you know, was it parents listening to to different uh, rock and roll stations or records or whatever or yeah how did that all start man um oh long story really but uh, to condense it into a uh, podcast friendly um so i i, I was born in uh, dorset uh, south of england um and my dad is english my mum's canadian um they uh, kind of went back and forth quite a lot when i was a kid because uh, my grandfather got ill over here same one i was just talking about and uh, we moved over here when i was about eight years old, I want to say, seven or eight years old. I uh, did some schooling out here and then uh, got to about 15, 16-ish. And uh, my dad got a job in the UK and we went back over there. Um, and in between all of that, I kind of got into music. Um, so I, I started playing uh, piano first when I was three. 
and uh and shortly after uh the guitar my my grandmother um on my dad's side is a, a classical music teacher so um it's kind of like a you know we weren't like forced in any way but it was definitely a you know it's like the whole family plays and like if you want to play there's instruments lying around and right uh, me and my brother both got really into it and uh by the time we'd moved over here uh, we were both playing he played the piano a lot better than i did so i kind of stuck with the guitar and um we got a little band together um and uh, that was kind of like my first uh you know proper experience really was playing with my brother um between so 2009 10 to like 2012 13ish um ended up uh, not working out uh, working together for our kind of later teens cuz you know brothers but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was fun while it lasted we had some cool experiences uh went and played at Massey Hall and Toronto and uh on uh, Dragon's Den um uh for a for a tragic uh performance at eight o'clock in the morning while I was a squeaky oh, no. voiced fifteen year old. <laughs> um and then when I moved to the UK I kinda hit the ground running um after uh, after a few weeks uh doing a few uh old jobs I just thought, you know, I'm gonna get myself into music college and over there the government funds quite a lot of stuff like that. So I, I got oh, very lucky. I got a, a place in a uh, kind of post 16 uh, pre 18 uh, music college uh, for free which I did for a year and uh, through that I got myself a place at university which I never thought I would have got so I, I got band together and we moved to London and lived in uh, in London England for three years uh, sharing a house which as you can imagine was uh, a bit of chaos and uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little of, a little bit of fun yeah, it's just a lot of fun um, and uh, had some some wild shenanigans along the way. And then I met somebody out here um, and ended up coming full circle and moving back out to Canada three years ago. So it's uh, very confusing and disjointed. No. Uh, I don't really know where I'm from anymore, but uh, <laughs> I like it out here, so I'll, I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> That's amazing. I know I remember we met probably 2015, yeah, I think around. Uh, I think then. at the Fernwood Inn, uh, an open mic, and uh, I, th- I watched you. I think you were probably like eighteen or nineteen. It must have been nineteen at the time. Yeah, something like that. And uh, you made me want to just like stop playing guitar. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck this guy!" <laughs> Sitting there, being like, "Man, I got so much more work to do." But you were so you you're so good. Um, and. Uh, and I know that we kind of we had a few chats and that stuff and then hit it off a little bit. So it was great to to see you. I've followed, you know, through Facebook and Instagram, all that kind of stuff, followed your trajectory upwards. And uh, I was just so happy to see that you're you know, still doing it, still still playing, you know, the festivals and, and living in Victoria and that stuff and um, having some success there. Even, you know, the, the, the pandemic has been rough on a lot of musicians, but I know that you you know, you got some new music that uh, you put out fairly recently, no? Yes, yeah, yeah. Just uh, kind of chipping away um, on the world's tightest budget uh, on an album. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I put, popped a new single out, Blinded, in, in August. I can't remember what date it was, but uh, that's uh, that's on Spotify. And then uh, back in January, I also put out uh, another song called Teenagers from Mars. Um, right. Yeah, it's so gradually chipping away at the stone you know it's like i'm sure when, <laughs> yeah. you're, when you're doing a record it, it takes a while and sometimes you've got the singles done before you've got the album and 
you know, musicians are like, I'm very uh, off the wall. So I get something done and I'm like, hey, sh- just put this out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I- I've written my, so I'm, I've decided that if I do a record, it'll be over the next few years, but I'm just going to release, you know, do the, the singles and, and EP things. So I've written, um, I probably wrote 20 songs in the last five months and narrowed it down to th- uh, five now and it'll be narrowed down to three from there but uh yeah it's it's just one of those things that i had to do something um luckily things in ontario opened back up kind of late june but uh before that i was just going stir crazy it was like I, oh yeah I'll i guess i'll just write like <laughs> i'll figure something out <laughs> that's, that's all you could do there's like you know keep yourself occupied or else and you just lose it. Like I, I know that my first few gigs, I was, you know, I, I was blowing my voice out by the second set and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, I'm just out of shape. It's just everything's <laughs> out of shape. Yeah, no, I, I I felt the same way when I when I got back on stage with the band. It was like, hey, <laughs> I've forgotten how to stay in time, and like, <laughs> can I hit that note anymore? I don't, it's like uh, I felt like one of those um, like legacy bands that goes on tour. 30 right. years after the fact except i'm 25 and i shouldn't feel like that <laughs> no <laughs> it's like all right we're gonna play everything a uh, step down now and uh... well yeah yeah it took me a while um I'm, I, even now i'm still not quite on form i've got to be honest uh you know i just sort of played a couple of gigs this last weekend where i felt like it kind of had got back to 2019 level of kind of fluidity um right. but uh yeah you know it's i think yourself included I'm, I'm sure we all have experienced this as musicians uh, the last year and a half has just been uh you know rinses you of uh, all kind of like social skills and uh, especially like interaction with the audience yeah, uh, ability yeah. and you know it's uh, yeah relearning from square one <laughs> and that's you know and that's it's something that you we've all had to be so adaptable with because no one ever thought it was going to happen and then no. it does and it's just like oh shit like you know you're going from playing two or three times a week to like not playing for eight months nine months a year and yeah you know you can you can do as many you know facebook lives or instagram lives as you want but it's just not the same uh, <laughs> it's not no. the same thing i i actually dodged that bullet i'm yet to do a facebook live um, yeah I'm uh, I'm kind of proud of that almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they were uh, so, I did at the start. I did two of them, and uh, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this again. <laughs> this is this is kind of painful. And I ended up just uh, like at the time I was drinking, so I'd be like, okay, let's jump on at ten o'clock at night and have a few drinks and just kind of shoot the shit with people and play some music. But it's. Uh, yeah, if you don't have a good space to play, everything just sounds like shit, right? If you like, I didn't have any of this equipment at that time, so yeah, it's like I mean you're just that. getting my cell phone, <laughs> my cell phone microphone, picking up a guitar and a and a voice in, in a closet. Yeah. yeah, it's no good. It's no good. No, I I, I kind of had the same. Uh, I'm sure you've like like many musicians. I'm sure you've had the same journey this last year with, uh, you know, like you buy one piece of kit and then you're like, hmm, could do with a home recording space and then. I actually, uh, this this room, I'm still, you could probably hear it's quite yeah. echoey at the moment. I'm still kind of like working on it. Um, but uh, I started, there's a closet behind me and uh, it was, it started in the closet uh, with an iPad. 
<laughs> and it's now grown <laughs> and too. A, a couple of like cheap speakers and I, like I, I just finally got set up with the computer properly the last like month or so uh, yeah. a couple of good microphones and stuff but yeah it's, it takes, it takes exactly a while what happened to me man it's uh, yeah. like i i uh and back in march or no february this year i traded or i was selling a an acoustic guitar on kijiji and a guy said well i'll trade you a, a, a full desktop computer for it and I went, I don't need a desktop computer. And then I was like, well, maybe I do. So, <laughs> so I got that. And then it's like, well, okay, maybe I'll get, you know, uh, an audio interface. So I got that. And then now I have a, an SM7B and I've spent like, you know, two grand on a, <laughs> on a setup and, and just more money to, to throw at it whenever, whenever I feel like I need some new toy. But yeah, at least I can do my own demos now, and I've taught myself as much of the recording software as I, or I just keep teaching myself and yeah, no, and all I'm, that. I'm so it's, it's been good that way. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Yeah. It's I mean, it's uh, it's not something I thought I'd ever do, but now that I'm kind of into it, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I like doing this. I like writing music. I like you know sampling and doing all this kind of fun stuff. So it gets that uh, just the creativeness out of you. It gets gets you doing something at least, or it did at that time. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I found the same thing. Like, I got Logic uh, a few months ago, and, uh, you know, like, I, I was running. Actually, I've got it got it to hand here. I'll show you. <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, so I got sick of the iPad, and I and I couldn't quite uh, afford a, uh, like, a proper, you know, like, up-to-date Mac, um, which I've only just managed to get myself on in the last two weeks. So I bought the, uh, the 2010 uh, iPad or sorry, uh, was it I Mac Mini? I think they're called right, uh, yeah. <laughs> with with eight gigs RAM, and it was like not not uh, like, not quite running Logic for about no. six months. But I did about half my record on there. Um, oh, did despite, you? Yeah, it's like every three tracks, I'd get a system overload, and then I'd have to just reboot. <laughs> so to redo the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now. Uh, what was kind of the inf- in inspiration for the record? Like Teenagers from Mars is a is a awesome and hilarious song name so what was like kind of your your mindset for that tune uh so so i started writing uh the the songs kind of collectively that that are going on this record quite quite a while ago some as you know i'm sure it takes a while to to get a you know an album or an ep together and a lot of the time um i'm sure you find this as well uh uh, like i'm my own worst critic so i'll record something and then i just i can't yeah, I can't put this out like this. It doesn't sound the way I hear it in my head. And so I, I you know, some of the songs are, are older. Uh, some of them date back to when I was living in London. Um, some of them are like pretty much brand spanking new um, and uh, written during the pandemic. And, and some of them, uh, like Teenagers from Mars, um, I wrote probably in the last sort of two, three years. Um, that one in particular I wrote, I was visiting my parents and... Uh, had been watching a, a David Attenborough documentary and and uh, something about Greta Thunberg on the BBC, and uh, I just thought, you know, there's 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 a there's a title there, um, yeah. and uh, I found out afterwards, of course, that there are a couple of songs called Teenagers from Mars, and it and it uh, had completely, you know, gone over my head that I'd heard that title somewhere, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite funny because someone was like, hey, is this is a cover of the. Uh, uh, was it Misfits song? And I was no, it's uh, no, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's just my song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so that that 
uh, that was that. And then the the, uh, the song Blinded, uh, which which came out in August, um, that was uh, it's a bit more of a um, you know, uh, shall we say, down to earth uh, <laughs> uh, theme. Um, I was watching a lot of the coverage of what was going on uh, during the Eleven Days War um, between uh, Israel and Palestine, and just felt really heartbroken to see, uh, particularly the kids caught in the crossfire uh, on, on both sides of that, that that obviously were being targeted uh, by by military forces. And I thought, well, I've got to try and find uh, yeah some way I can do something to to kind of a um, you know shine a light on that issue because the whole album is uh, you know dealing with uh, social commentary. Um, but uh, the the other thing uh, was that I wanted to try and raise some money. I haven't raised a lot so far. I think it's about 50 bucks. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully uh, if I see a, an uptick in uh, in sales in that song, then uh, you never know. It could raise some money and, and do something good. But um, I, I selected a charity called uh, Children of Peace, which is a nonpartisan uh, NGO that works with both sides. And what they do is basically fund co-ed education for kids um, so that, uh, you know, kids from both the Palestinian and Israeli uh, backgrounds get together and, you know, learn to trust each other and become friends. And right. the, the ultimate goal of that, obviously, is just that there's no more religious violence in, in that uh, right. region because uh, horrifying that that still goes on, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of is. It's... It- looking to to blend that cultural barrier that yeah. Uh, yeah. they've been living with for you know uh, hundreds and hundreds of years it's it's been yeah it's yeah been a long no, time that complex uh, been going on com- complex issue that i you know no, yes. nobody, nobody yeah. really fully understands but i just felt really sorry right. for the kids in particular so um yeah, so 50 of the money to that is uh is everything that doesn't cover the cost of the recording is going to the <laughs> Uh, children of peace um that's amazing man and is that uh, like Bandcamp, or or where where can people find that and where can someone yeah so i i am going to be popping that on Bandcamp at the moment it's just on streaming um so it's on spotify apple music and deezer and amazon and wherever else cd baby dumps your stuff (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, core cd baby all that yeah yeah um but um yeah going forward i think i am going to be using things like Bandcamp a bit more um yeah it just seems more ethical uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh i'm sure you found that as well as a as a songwriter yeah. yeah the best the best way i've i've really been able to or i've heard um you know spotify and apple music and all that now being described is it's basically a promotional tool um yeah. you yeah. know it's it's if you can get onto the playlists and all that kind of stuff that's it's great for you but you're real you know, any money that you might be getting from streaming is going to come from maybe YouTube. Um, you know that you're not getting much from Spotify. You're not getting much from Apple Music. And they have Bandcamp and all that stuff. But uh, unfortunately, selling music just doesn't get us any money nowadays. No, <laughs> there's, no, there's no, no. There's no cash in it. So, yeah. Which is unfortunate. Very unfortunate. But, you know, there there might be some reform coming. Who knows? We'll yeah, see. I saw the uh, right. saw the bill that was being introduced in uh, UK Parliament the other day. That looks pretty promising. Um, they're they're going to have to force uh, the, the streaming companies to reform the way they work, which is, fingers crossed, good news for people like you and I. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I yeah. think it's going to be an arduous battle. Um, you know, obviously they're not that that 
they're they're just not going to want to give up any of that <laughs> any of that money and you know is it is, is any of it backdated is any of it like it's it's just going to be it's it'll be i think a long time to figure out but at least something's being addressed or something's being done about it yeah you know that's yeah. all we can really hope for right no nah, it's uh, it won't change overnight <laughs> no 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 definitely not so you are i've always known you kind of to be like a bit of a blues player, like a Stevie Ray Vaughan style blues player. Is that kind of um, the vein that you're wanting to stay in? I know that, you know, every, we all evolve and we all change and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you're, you're a hell of a guitar player. So I appreciate you saying that. That's very kind. Yeah, of course, man. Um, and uh, like, how did that all start for you? And then how has it now grown um, into what you're, you're putting out and recording now? Oh boy. Um, well, like I mentioned earlier, I, I picked up the guitar in, uh, in 1999 when I was three. Um, and, uh, my first, uh, like guitar hero, um, was Brian May from Queen. Uh, I, I heard we will rock you on a cassette tape when I was digging through my parents' crawl space, um, sometime around the age of six or seven. And yeah, it's just like really, uh, spoke to me. So I, I got really into him and then I thought, well, I can't, I can't replicate that so how do i dig into what he would have listened to and that led me down the blues path um because obviously you know once you get to pre-1965 you've got blues basically blues. you know yeah. it's, it's not really rock guitar playing as we know it nowadays um so i got really into like bb king and buddy guy and um yeah. along the way um whilst i was living out here there was a guy called jason buey who i mentioned earlier um who i i went to see quite frequently and he kind of uh, it was more or less a bit of a mentor for me, uh, introducing me to that sound. And um, yeah, and then when I moved back to the UK, I kind of unwittingly uh, found myself surrounded by a lot of the older guys that were part of the original 60s blues boom in the UK. Um, so, uh, you know, I'd go to pub jams and there'd be uh, Terry Brennan, who played in a band called The Roosters with Eric Clapton in 1963 and like, you know, nowadays he goes to the Cavern Freehouse in Rains Park near Wimbledon and drinks and scares the customers with his wireless system. Bless him, he's a lovely guy. But, uh, um, you know, so, so I ended up playing with quite a lot of the old uh, kind of guard, not not necessarily the the, uh, the the names you and I would know, but but certainly people that have been doing that for, for a long time. Um, and uh, there's a guy called Robin Beebe who ended up being a bit of a, a mentor to me as well over there. Um, so yeah, around the time you met me, I, I guess yeah, I was was more or less just doing like a like a blues thing, and and for all intents and purposes, although my uh, covers band now uh, does a bit of everything, it's very much blues centric um, in, yeah. in its approach. Um, even though we're not supposed to play the blues at the venues we're playing at. <laughs> I love blues, man. Uh, I'm, I'm no, I, like, yeah, that's, that's where everything starts for me. And then it's like, okay, but yeah, <laughs> but this is uh, what I actually, like if I'm at home jamming, I'm, I'm jamming blues tracks oh, like, yeah. or yeah, over top blues uh, tracks. It's, it's pretty irreplaceable sound really, but, um, yeah. And then sort of developing on from there, I, I guess I've, I've got real interest in kind of moving, um, blues and rock. Uh, influenced music into uh, a bit of a more modern uh, sphere. So a couple of the tracks I popped out in the past are a bit um, retrospective, uh, but I think a lot of the stuff kind of going forward will sound a little bit more um, modern edged without losing its authenticity, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
But uh, yeah, um, as as a guitarist, though, I think probably the three of the the biggest moments in the last few years that helped kind of shape my direction as a player um, would be uh, I, I managed to get a, a opportunity to uh, work with Mick Taylor from the Rolling Stones um, just shortly after we met, actually in in twenty sixteen. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> um, yeah, a friend friend of mine, Ben Waters, um, he. Uh, he basically, uh, yes, it's amazing uh, pianist, and he, he works with everybody from Ray Davies to oh boy, he's had, had like Johnny Depp and Ronnie Wood sitting with him, and he played with the Stones on a couple of records, and yeah, really phenomenal uh, musician. Uh, I know his son uh, Tom quite well as well, and Tom was recording with me on an EP, and he said, "Hey, uh, we're doing a gig with Mick Taylor over the weekend." Um, we need someone to come and set up the guitars and the guitar amp. And I said, yeah, great. I'll be yeah, there. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. So I showed up and uh, Mick Taylor is is there with nothing but a 1959 Gibson Les Paul, which as a guitar nerd was like, hang on, yeah. is this the 59 Les Paul that you bought from Keith Richards? Maybe. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was looking at the guitar amplifier and he looks at me and he goes, kid, he goes, I haven't turned one of these on for myself in about 50 years. Can you explain how this works? Because <laughs> it looks like a spaceship to me. And I went, uh, <laughs> turn yeah. the thing on. I was that's like, there's your overdrive channel. There's, you know, it's like he, he hadn't had a channel switching amp before. And uh, so, so I, I kind of, that, that kind of astounded me. And I, I guess sort of being, speaking as a guitarist here and uh, being a bit of a nerd, um, gain staging, uh, I never really realized how the older guys did it, but he, he literally had a boost pedal. He asked to borrow an overdrive, which was the weirdest thing ever to me that he didn't carry one with him, but Hey, uh, and then, you know, and then most of his sound was just boost through the front of the amp and turning the amp up really loud. And I thought, okay. And then a couple of years after that, I was doing a gig with uh, Mickey Moody from white snake who I'd met through, uh, working at the cavern Freehouse in, uh, Wimbledon in South London. He used to play in a house band while I was a bartender. And uh, we ended up playing together. And I, again, yeah, I got on stage with him and I said, where's your overdrive pedal? And he goes, uh, it's the amp. And I'm like, huh. And then, you know, the same thing. I showed up to do a gig with Randy Bartman a couple of years ago and he, he kind of looked at my amp and went, that's cute. <laughs> 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 and uh, he said, that's not going to be loud enough in here. And I went, well, what about microphones? He goes, who needs them? And, you know, sh- like wheels this right. huge super 410 on stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely, uh, yeah, I've changed my approach a bit um, probably since we last uh, saw each other. Um, just just having seen those old kind of classic rock guys play uh, up close. Yeah. They're like we don't need toys. Just just give me the amp and 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 the and the, and the uh, yeah <laughs> and the overdrive, and we're just we're just gonna rock it out and less ball. Let's let's do this. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, you know opened my eyes to a whole new way of playing. But uh, definitely definitely always blues based, though. You know, yeah, uh, I think uh, it's a good place to start and end. <laughs> I think one of the biggest surprises for me when I was seeing. Um, your you know pictures and following your story and all that kind of stuff is uh switching from a strat to a an sg 
I was very, <laughs> which I play in SG, so I play in SG Natelli. But yeah, I was like, oh, that's big. This it's big for a blues player. That's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's no, a it was a massive, uh, massive step. So what happened was um, that that gig I did with Nick Taylor, um, it kind of got me down the rabbit hole because I I had I had this strap uh, as my main guitar for sort of ten years or so, and for what it's worth, it's still my favorite instrument. Um, the thing was, though, <clears throat> uh, a lot of those guys, you know, overdriving the amps really hard with humbucking pickups. Mickey Moody was the exception. He just had really hot strap pickups uh, in his strap, which I'm yet to do to my guitar because I'm not sure if I want to change the, the pickups. Um, and then I bought this, which is a it's an LPJ uh, 2014. Um, and I tried to kind of mimic the, the Mick Taylor Les Paul by putting Bigsby on it. Um, but the trouble is, as someone that does, uh, yeah, 200 gigs a year in an average year, um, sometimes more, like in, in 2019, I think there's something like 230, 240, my shoulder <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> was, was just dead. caving in. It's the point where like, you know, I was kind of like trying to sit up straight and I went to a chiropractor and he said, you know, your left shoulder is a concave. Um, oh, and then I went and, you know, I was looking at some cables in a store <laughs> and I walked out with the SG cause it, you know, it's that nice middle ground between the uh, the Strat and the and the Les Paul, and that's kind of my main guitar at the moment, uh, as as I'm sure you've seen. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I love it, man. I've been playing an SG since uh, 2002, 2001, 2002. So it's uh it's definitely one of my workhorses. And then um, this the telly I just got made um, is one that I I find I kind of honed in on the sound i wanted and built around that and so i'm, I'm absolutely in love with it but the sg is always going to have a, a, a place in my heart i mean i've had it for like 20 years now so yeah it's uh and and i grew up such a huge acdc fan and watching angus young run around with an sg that i was like that was it that was the reason why i wanted it that was like yeah it was it was just such a cool cool looking guitar and it had such a history to it that i, I you know i couldn't help myself Oh yeah, no, I, I I don't know about you as well, but like I um, like actually, there's a funny story behind this SG. I won't bore you too much, but uh, so I rented this in 2016, this exact guitar, um, and uh, it was when uh, Villanovas came over from the UK to play uh, in Canada, and at the time, my bandmate Jamie White was playing an SG exclusively. Um, that was his guitar, it was an SG standard, and I was on the Strat. And I was very jealous of the SG. It's just like really cool. Um, but like we kind of had this rule, like one of us is going to take single calls. One of us is going to take humbuckers and never the two shall meet because we didn't want to step on each other's toes. Yeah. And uh, so I took this back to the store and there was a couple of distinctive, uh, uh, shall we say, marks on the guitar yeah. <laughs> from use. Yeah. Um, and I, I, when he went back to the UK that year, I was here for a few more days and I was kind of playing around with this guitar in my grandma's front room where I was staying at the time. And I thought, oh, I quite like this. And then I thought, no, I'm going to take it back. And then like a lot of things in life, it came full circle. When I was in the store, I picked up this SG and I thought, hang on a minute, this looks really familiar. There's, there's a, couple of, a couple of dings in dings it, that, it. Uh, yeah. that, that I'm pretty sure Jamie put in there. And uh, sure enough, it's actually the guitar he rented uh, when uh, when he was here, which went out on my account. Right. So I took it through the checkout, and uh, sure enough, same one. 
and uh yeah so it's yeah it's kind of been in my life for for five years even though i i didn't own it for for three of those it's a sign man that's that's it sometimes you just gotta follow that stuff right yeah so it was meant to be it was meant to be so there's a question that i generally ask most musicians that i have on this podcast and it's uh it's a good one so prepare yourself for it uh but uh I'll try not to put you on the spot too much, but it kind of is yeah, cool. just one of those questions. Um, what is the one song, if you could pinpoint, that is that means the most to you emotionally? It gives you the biggest visceral, visceral reaction. Um, you know, one of those ones that just kind of like every time you hear it, it's like the first time you heard it again. Oh, uh, th- there's two or three specific songs uh, that, that come to mind. Um but I think of those, it's probably got to be Hotel California. Um, and, and the reason for that is that uh, my first big gig ever, um, which was the, the Massey Hall gig in 2010, um, that was one of the songs that we had to learn uh, to, to perform. And we'd never been in front of a big audience before. And I'd never learned a solo note for note until I learned that one. And myself and my bandmate at the time, Angus, uh, yeah, at the end of the song, uh, being cocky teenagers, uh, did the whole back-to-back guitarist thing. Right. And uh, yeah. every time I hear that song, I'm back as a you know, 14-year-old kid, uh, you know, just like pumped to be in front of a big audience and, and uh, you know, trying to play that song. <laughs> that's amazing. That's a, that's a really yeah. awesome memory. That's a really yeah. cool uh, – that's a great answer. That's a great answer. I appreciate that, man. So – all right. Well, I appreciate your time, man. I won't keep any more of it, but uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, oh, thank you uh, so much everyone... for having me. Oh, of course, man. Let everyone know where they can find your music. Let everyone know what your Instagram, Facebook handles, all that kind of stuff are. And uh, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, on Facebook. Uh, it's just Brett Smith Daniels. Uh, that's not Brent. Uh, I know a lot of uh, baristas over here get that confused, but no, it's B-R-E-T-T. Uh, Brett Smith Daniels, uh, and it's the same on uh, Instagram. It's just at Brett Smith Daniels. Um, and if you want to shoot me an email and ask about guitar lessons, uh, that's brettsmithdaniels at gmail.com. That's nice and easy, nice and simple. Got a really long, boring name, but I'm the only one. So <laughs> that's all you need, man. That's all you need. It's, it's, it's it, you know what? It, it's phonically, it's nice. You know, Brett Smith Daniels. It just go, it's, it's a rock star name. You're good to go. <laughs> Or accountant, who knows? Or accountant, who, yeah. exactly. <laughs> who, 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 who's who's to judge? Anyway, man, I really um, appreciate your time. Thanks oh, a lot, thank Aiden. We'll, thank uh, you very we'll much for having me, Ty. No worries, man. We'll talk soon. All right, that's it. That's the podcast. I appreciate you listening today. If you could please do me one more favor, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and write me a review or subscribe to the podcast there. It is so much appreciated, and it helps me out tremendously. You can also check out all of my socials at Ty Wilson Music. That's Insta, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you'd like. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Ty Wilson Talks.